0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you as part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at NorthridgeThomason.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you've met us here. You've met our brokenness, God. I thank you for unity together. That's the most important of it all. God, we just thank you for your sacrifice, for sending your son, and for sending your presence, for giving us hope and peace that we can walk through and glorify your name through that. God, I pray you continue to just orchestrate this, this time together, God, and anoint the message so that we continue to make this morning about you, and then you pour your love back on us, God. We thank you. Amen. Y'all give Jesus a big hand. Come on. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I tell you, I love that song because it speaks out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 9 and following where it talks about the Apostle Paul crying out to God to deliver him from this thorn in his flesh. And of course, the answer came back that he would not deliver him. Of course, we never like to hear a no answer from God when we're crying out to him. We want him to respond and we want him to respond very quickly. But he said, no, I'm not going to deliver you from this thorn in your flesh, but rather I will show you that my grace is made sufficient in your time of weakness, that my strength has become manifest, that when you're weak then you are strong. And I just praise God for that because we all have those moments in our life where we we operate out of fleshly weakness. But it's in those moments, if we're not careful, we will get overwhelmed. It's in those moments that we will kind of begin to say, well, what's the point in all this? When in fact, if we would really just lean in a little bit and just say, all right, God, I'm weak. I can't do it. I can't hold it together. I can't make my marriage work. I can't do this thing of walking with people in forgiveness and love. It's in those moments, church, that if we would allow God to enter into of that moment, we will see that He will do it through us. Aren't you glad of that? You don't have to be the one to, to be all of these things and live this performance Christianity that, that God would be pleased with me if I can do this and if I can do that and if I don't do that. Let me tell you something. God doesn't love you because of you. He loves you because of Jesus. He loves you through the eyes and the lenses of Jesus' finished work on the cross having been applied to your life. Which is why I believe with all of my heart that God gave me this sermon series dealing with Psalms. Because here's what I believe to be true, and we've talked about this both in youth ministry, we've talked about it all through the, the different levels of our ministry, is we believe that we are designed, we are wired, we created to be worshipers of God. In fact, if you go and you look at people's lives and survey people who are living a life that's not fulfilled, I submit to you today that they're living outside the, the fullness of God, that there's a God-sized hole in every person's heart on the face of the earth, ever having been created or ever will come into this world. I believe that. And it's not until we allow God to begin to fill up that hole in our life that we can finally be at peace with ourselves, at peace with others. In fact, I say it this way. If I look at the world and the chaos that is ensued all around us, when I operate in the fullness of who God is in my life, I can rise above. Watch this. I'm exempt from the situation going on around me. Let's give him praise this morning. He's worthy of our praise. and. That's what this series is about. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 91. It's my favorite psalm of all of the 150 psalms. Psalm, of course, as I said, if you just joined us, is the longest book in the entire Word of God. It's actually not one book. It's actually condensed into five, at least eight authors, and there's 48 psalms that are written that we don't even know who they are. Of course, Psalm 91 is one of those. We realize that King David wrote at least 75 of the psalms that are attributed to him Solomon, his son, wrote two of those. Moses is attributed in the Psalms as writing one, which is Psalm 90. And it is a psalm of death. It's a psalm of, of of decay. And the children of Israel who would never be able to step into the fullness of all that God had for them. Remember the entire generation that operated in in, in the wilderness wanderings. Remember they left bondage and went into the promised land. It would have been a twenty one day walk at best. They went directly to the fullness of God. But rather than doing that, they begin to murmur. They begin to erect idols. I submit to you that's not a bad picture of what we see today in our in our culture. It's what we're doing. Maybe we're walking around the same mountains, Chad, because we're murmuring, we're complaining. God, are you there? God, are you responding? Does it even matter? Does this faith journey? And in so doing, we sow death into our existence. The Bible says there's life and death in the power of our tongue. How many of you believe it's time that we start speaking life over our situations? Amen. I believe that. And so Psalm 90 is that psalm of death. So I have surmised from that, and other theologians agree, that... Psalm 91, perhaps, having followed Psalm 90. Being a psalm of death, this would be a picture of a psalm of life, a promise of God, a safe haven, a a promise and a hope that he will abide with me, he will tabernacle with me, he will remain with me, he will never leave me nor forsake me, he's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That I believe, and I can't prove this, but I just want you to, to know from the studies that I have given and the nuances of Psalm 90, that I believe perhaps Moses also wrote Psalm 91. It makes sense to come off the heels of a death psalm to then turn around and say, oh, but there's life also found in the promises of God. And and, and we gave our series coming from John 4 and 23 and 24. You don't have to go there. But it basically says that there will be a time that will come where the hour is now when the true worshipers will rise up and worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then here's the part after the semicolon. This is what it says. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Think about that for a minute. God in all of his fullness and all of his perfection and all that he is and all the splendor and glory that comes with him, he is seeking. That's what the Bible says. He's looking for. He is anticipating people who will rise up and worship him in spirit and in truth. That's our mandate, guys, and I believe that to be our privilege as well. That when we worship him, then and only then do we place the worth in who he is in our life and who he is in this world. So that's our heartbeat. Psalm 91. Of course, a psalm of life, and he says this. This is my life verse, by the way. It says, he that dwells, everybody say dwells. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, and that word is synonymous with the word dwell. So if you dwell in that secret place of the Most High, here's a promise for you. And if then. Don't miss that. This is a conditional promise. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Then he makes it personal. He was speaking in a person of he that dwells, those people out there in the cosmos, even through the annals of time as we read today, speaking to us and to the hearts of men and women. But he's saying those of you out there who dwell, who tabernacle, who abide, who remain. Can I say it this way? Those who move in. Those who stay a while, those who take up residence in the secret place of God, they have the privilege to abide, once again, remain in the shadow of the Almighty. Then he makes it personal in the next verse where he says, I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge, he is my fortress. Watch this. And in him will I trust. Let's pray together today. Father, I pray today that as we unfold and unpackage these amazing promises that you've given us, through the writer of Psalm 91, that we would apply it today, that we would be forever changed. And because, God, you are worthy, we lift you up. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Wednesday night, we were talking about some of these things, and I said, everybody say hallelujah, and everybody went, hey, uh, hallelujah. So I'm going to throw that on you coming up today, so be prepared for it. We're going to get to say the big word today, hallelujah. I want to give you a message today, part two of this message, entitled Hide and Seek. How many of you remember? Hiding seek when you were a little kid. You found that perfect hiding place and you went into it and you never told anyone about it. I believe this is a place we need to be telling everybody about. I believe that this hiding place, this secret place, is something this world needs today. Secret place and hiding place are almost used interchangeably in Scripture. In the New Testament, it speaks of hiding place, that he is my safe haven. He is my sanctuary. He is my my inner circle, if you will, the Holy of Holies spoken about in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It was a place that only the high priest could go into. And even if he had sin in his life, he would be, he would be struck down with death if he entered into that holy, specific place before God. Today, yet, the Hebrew writer tells us that we can now go boldly into the throne of grace. We can go boldly into that secret place. We can go boldly. And that, that doesn't mean that we go in there cocky. It means that we go in there in confidence. Confidence in what? That Jesus Christ, the living veil that was rent from top to bottom, that separated unholy man from holy God. If you haven't studied that, and I'm speaking alien to you, go back and study the Exodus in Moses' Exodus out of Egypt, out of bondage into the promised land, the land flow of milk and honey, and you'll find out God gave instruction for him to build a tabernacle with very specific furnishings, a very specific diametrics. And he put all that in place and he said, that's where I will abide and I will meet you there, but only through the hands of one high priest who will go in to seek to make atonement for your sin for the entire year. Today, we don't have to wait for an annual occurrence. We don't have to wait for Christmas morning. We don't have to wait for resurrection Sunday on Easter. Every day is Christmas. Every day is resurrection. Every day is a privilege that I can go into that holy place. Y'all say hallelujah. I told you I was a mouthful. Y'all did good though. I want to give you seven things real quickly that I believe we can glean from this chapter. I want you to make a side note if you weren't here last week that there are three verses in Psalm 91 that gives us conditions. Psalm uh, 91 and 1, Verse 9 and verse 14, I want to read those to you before I unfold the promises that we find in this. Verse 9, he says this. Remember verse 1, is he that dwells in the secret place, he will be able to abide in the Shalmati. Look at what he says in verse 9. Because, everybody say because. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, the writer says, even the Most High God, your dwelling place, then no evil will befall you. You cannot blanketly apply this to every child, man, woman, boy, or girl. You have to do something. You have to go there. You have to enter into that holy place. You have to, where is the secret place? It's in the presence of God. It's in the place, watch this, I love this. I, I love this today. It's in the place that only I can go. I can't take you there. I want to. I want to bring you in his presence. That's why we have worship singing. That's why we do what we do. But make no mistake about it. It is a personal journey upon which only you can go. You can't take your kids there, mom. You can encourage them to go there. You can encourage them to pray. You can encourage them to fast. You can encourage them to to worship. But they are the only ones that can get into that place, that secret place of which no one else is there. But each one of us has one, and it's in the presence of God. Because, verse 9, then look at verse 14. And this is where I'm going to unfold these promises. Because he, speaking of not God, because this is God speaking, because he, that's you and I, has set his love upon me, capital M, which indicates deity or God speaking, therefore Here's the things that we're going to talk about. I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has made known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer me to which I say, hold, hold, praise God. He said, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver and honor him. I will long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let me give you real quickly seven things. I gave you two last week. Number one, in verse 14, he will deliver us. He will deliver you from any snare of the fowler. He will deliver you from the fiery darts of the wicked. He will deliver you from confusion. He is a God of order. His book, his word, his loving scriptures, his love letter to you is not complicated like we often think. But you can't understand the mystery of God unless you go to it with an open heart under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because it is confusion to man. But it is the power unto salvation for those of us who believe. But he will deliver you only if you go into his presence, only if you allow him to. If you have an addiction and you want to be delivered, he can deliver you today. If you have a stronghold, if you have pride in your life, if you have something else going on, he can get you out. If you have a blockade in front of you, he can deliver you and move it out of the way. Or maybe, better yet, like the children of Israel going through the mountains and the plains of the wilderness, wondering, maybe just maybe he can deliver you and show you that the thing you think is in front of you is not an obstacle at all. You. Can can just simply go around it. He's a deliverer. That's who he is. Moses' name in the Old Testament foreshadows the deliverer of the people of Israel, foreshadowing Jesus Christ, who is the deliverer of mankind. Number one, he will deliver you. Aren't you glad today that he delivered you? Amen. Number two, real quick. This was a little confusing for us. He will set us on high. All too often we underestimate, verse 14 talks about that, What God really wants to do for us. Do you know that He wants to merit? He wants to give you merit. He wants to give you esteem. I I don't I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands today, but please hear me. Rhetorically, I want you to internalize this today. Don't raise your hand. How many of you don't feel good about who you are? How many of you don't like the person you see in the mirror looking back every morning when you brush your teeth and every night when you go to bed? I've been there. I've looked in the mirror before and occurrences in my life. I've been been there recently and I look at it and I go, I don't don't like that person that I see looking back. say, Mark, what did you do to get that feeling? It's when I get out of his presence. See, when I get away from him, I don't like what I see. If there's any good in me, it comes from being in his presence. If there's any ability to speak or preach or teach on Wednesday night, it is not of my own volition. If left to myself, I'm absolutely weak and I have nothing to offer you. But when I get in his presence, I have the ability through my words coming from God's heart. I'm merely a mouthpiece. I'm merely a messenger. I have the words to see people delivered, to see people changed, to see people set free. And when that happens, I'm going to clap with you. I'm going to embrace with you, but then I'm going to get on my knees at night and say, God, it was all you. Because God doesn't need me, but He sure will use me. He wants to set us on high. Hey, you know what? When we sing up here, I, I, I'm not a singer. How many bad singers out there in the house today? Come on, wave your hand at me like you just don't care. You know what you need to do? You need to just embarrass the person next to you and just let it rip. I mean, you you've always wanted to do it. I'm giving you a license. Next Sunday, when that song comes out, I want you to just let it rip. You know, like you do in the shower, you know, where the acoustics are perfect. Let it rip. And you know what I would do sometimes, I I do this at concerts. I did it when I was out at Winter Jam. I put earplugs in, and I just sing loud. Everybody's like going, I can't even hear myself because it's that bad. He wants to honor me. You know why? Because he says, it's okay for me if you just make a joyful noise. And, brother, I can make a noise. He wants to honor me. He wants to lift me up. You know what the Bible says if a man will humble himself before the mighty hand of God, God will exalt him in due time. You know what that means? I looked that up and it means honor. Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of your works. It's not of your own volition. It's not because of your checkbook. It is not because of your talents. In fact, the truth of the matter is, is it's in spite of you. It's in spite of your checkbook. It's in spite of your talents. It's in spite of all of that. God uses us anyway. It's called unmerited favor, grace. Guys, you are what you are today. If there's any good in you, it's because of the grace of God. That's honor. But if you look up honor, it means to give someone merited favor. God doesn't give me merited favor because can I tell you something? We have this bad cliche question that we ask in our culture today. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's an erroneous biblical question. Because the book of Romans teaches to the apostle Paul to the church at Rome that there is none good, not one. That if And and this ain't going to preach well, so I'm going to go ahead and offer you a little moment to kind of tense up a little bit. If you got what you deserved, you would be separated forever and forever for a holy God, and so would I. Did you know that? Don't let that offend you. Let that provoke you to give him the worth that he's due. Worship him in spirit. I want you to just clap for him and say, thank you, God, that I didn't get what I deserved. I wrote this down, and I wrote it down in tears. In his bigness, he stooped down to rescue me. In his bigness, he stooped down to love me. In his bigness, he stooped down to cover me. In his bigness, he stooped down to be the Psalm 3 lifter of my head and say, It's okay. You will fail again tomorrow, but I got you. In his bigness, he redeemed me before he framed the world and before he connected all my inner parts in my mother's womb. He, in his bigness, reached down, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he put a song. It may be a bad-sounding song to you, but it's a song that I will sing until the day he comes back. And the song is one of the redeemed. It's one that he called me by name, and he set a work in my heart, and he said, I've called you. Run the race now, Mark, to the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. In his bigness, he also came and he found you right where you were. It's in his bigness that he honors you. Don't miss that. Don't miss that today. First Corinthians, Paul says this, if in this life we have hope only, we are among men most miserable. Do you know that you, Godly? this is huge. Do you know that you are, how many of you are saved, you're born again, child of the most high God, you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And once not you slip lift both hands up. That's what you need to do is just surrender, right? You got me, God. But do you know that if you're a child of God, you are already seated in heavenly places, a joint heir with Christ, a royal priesthood, the bride of Christ? You're already honored. As the band comes, I'm I'm gonna keep rolling. So I want to, I'm gonna go ahead and get this out. Listen to this, number three. This is my favorite one. Look, look at verse 15. He will answer me when I call. Have you ever called your spouse and you kept getting a busy signal, ladies? Does that ever happen to you when you're hunting for your fella? That's frustrating, ain't it? The reason I didn't ask you guys is because that happens to me a lot with my bride, and I don't want to get in trouble. There is probably very little. And then I know this is frivolous, silly stuff, but it frustrates me to no end when I call my bride. Hello, this is Stephanie with Rush Ministries. And I'm thinking, you ain't answering. Where are you? But do you know there's never, ever, ever a moment when I call on God that he don't say, yes, Mark. My God. Chad Harlow sitting on this side of the room. If Chad calls on God right now, he goes, Chad, I'm here. What you need, son? Marty Ellis sitting on the other side of the room and he says, God, I need you. And he says, what you need, brother? I got you. And right here in the middle, you got Pastor David and you got Jimmy and you, and, and you got the Peacocks. You got, a, and, and, you know what? If we all called on him at one time and everybody over the church across town and the 43 other Baptist churches and 83 something other churches, if every church in America called on him at the same time, he would just say, here I am, child. I'm here. Jeremiah 33 says, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you don't know yet. It's time we quit calling on him to show us what he showed us yesterday and last year. It's time for us to start calling on him and say, God, I want to see something I've never seen, I've never dreamt of, I've never hoped for, because you want to do exceeding abundantly above what I could ask or think. And you say, Mark, that's prosperity. It is. It means that I am richest man on planet earth today, not because of my bank account, but because of what he's deposited in my bankrupt soul. When I call on him, he answers me. He never says I'm too busy. He never shuts me down. He never says, call me back. I got things going on. He answers me and he responds to me in his perfect timing and in his perfect way. Aren't you glad that he answers you today when you call on him? Fourthly, real quick, he will be with us in a time of trouble. Psalm 46 and 1. Listen to this. Listen to this. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, why? Because he's my very present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Now watch what he says. Watch this. Even though. Everybody say even though. This is the bad stuff. Hey, he's my very present help in a time of trouble, even though the earth shall be removed. How many of you know that's worse than walking into the storm Black Friday and you not being able to gift, get the gift that you wanted to get? How many of you know even though the world be removed is the worst thing that could happen in the physical? How many of you know that? And he starts with that and works down. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains will shake in his swelling, he is my very present help in a time of trouble. Because you know why? It's like that ship sailing out there in the sea, especially out there on off the eastern seaboard, where the seas get real boisterous, and they're fisher, fishermen out there. And they see that lighthouse, and they see that little harbor that just, just big enough to pull their little, their little fishing vessel in there behind it they throw out the anchor and the seas are raging on the other side of that wall of that particular little outcrop and the waves are boisterous and they're against us and they're just raging at every angle but yet that ship sits in there and that captain goes down there with his first mate and his shippers he says pull up the nest, boys we're going to take a minute and they go down there and they fix them some coffee and they sit down a minute and go well we had a good day today didn't we guys why are they not worried because they're in the safe harbor Today, the chaos that's raging in your life, you may not be able to stop the war and the raging, even though your world may be falling apart. Won't you just slip into that very present help in a time of trouble? Just pull your boat in right there into the safe harbor. Follow the light, by the way, because he is the light. And just pull in and say, God, even though the war rages, I will praise you. Even though my, my 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 relationships are struggling, I'm going to praise you. Even though, God, I don't know where I'm going to work come Monday morning, I'm going to praise you. Even though I've been crying out to you to heal mama, but God, I had not seen that yet, but I'm going to praise you. Even though the world be removed, I'm going to give you what you're worth because you're my very present help in a time of trouble. He will be with us in times of trouble. He may not remove your circumstances, but oh my gosh, he will give you a new set of eyes to look at them in a whole different way way aren't you glad that he's your very present help in a time of trouble number five he will honor us in verse 15 what does it mean it means he's going to render us respect it's just like lifting us on high he's going to honor you if you never got a trophy one day in your life you got the greatest accolade the world has ever known and that's called you are a child of god when i step into heaven Everything I've ever done wrong. Everything I've ever done that failed him. Every bad word. Every crossed anger. Every time I've lost personal control. Everything I've done will be cast as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered another time. Mark, are you saying that when I go and stand before God, I won't know all that I've done? Oh, yes, you will. The Bible says, I don't know what I will be, but when I see him, I will be like him. Oh, you'll remember it for a moment, but then after he judges you and says, well done, that good and faithful servant, enter ye into all that I have prepared for you. And then we see one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another sinner cast into the lake of fire, only to follow follow the person of the enemy, Satan, the false prophet, and the Antichrist, then we're weeping. We're weeping because of the ones who have missed it. We're weeping because of the times we could have shared our faith. We're weeping because of the times we worried about some other thing rather than lives and souls that are going to go somewhere for all of eternity. In Revelation 21 and 4, this is how I'm honored. This is how I know I'm going to be honored. The Bible says, and then he shall wipe away all the tears from our eyes, and there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying no more pain for the former things are passed away and watch what he says behold everybody say look look i'm making all things new some of you have lost loved ones in ways that i cannot even fathom little babies that you never should have had to bury sons and daughters that life was cut short because the problems got so big and God is saying oh mama I got them don't you worry about that there's going to be a new day in heaven where you're going to get to see them you're going to get to hug them you're going to get to worship me in spirit and in truth you're going to get to sing you're going to get to hey, you know what you're going to get to walk on streets of gold and you say man that's going to be amazing it will be so not amazing Because when you get to heaven, heaven ain't heaven because there's streets of gold. You don't walk out there on the asphalt and go, Woo, this is amazing. Look at what I'm walking on. And yet in heaven, the very thing that we adore here, the value we place on gold will be like asphalt or dirt in heaven. It will mean nothing. Heaven is heaven. Not because my daddy's there, though he is. Heaven is not heaven because of the apostle Paul. Is there, but though he is heaven is heaven because I get to see Jesus face to face. And that's the only reason heaven is heaven. He got to honor you. And then real quickly, and I'm done. He will satisfy you with long life. He says in Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, my son or my daughter, don't forget my commandments. Don't forget my words, but let your heart keep it for the length of your days and long life and peace will be added to you. That's what it says. It will be added to you. But if you follow in a life of sinfulness and a life of just whatever and you don't sell yourself out to the person of Jesus, your life may very well be cut short. God wants to use you. God wants to prosper this world and to see others come into the person of him through your hands and your feet and your love and your adoration for him. Early life will come if you don't live out a life for God. But watch what he says in Proverbs 9 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding for by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added. He told Hezekiah in Isaiah 38 and 5 he said I see your worth I see what you're doing now and you weren't doing it before so here's what I'm going to do he said I'm going to allow you to live 50 more years. He added life to him. I'm going to tell you something you get busy for God, God will remove your stress, he will take away your depression, he will remove all auto- He will bring down strongholds, shackles will fall to the ground, and you will live longer, if nothing else, because you're not worrying and contaminated with ulcers. That's one way you'll live longer. This is not some magical potion where he just says, okay, I'm going to add three years to your life. You will add three years to your life because you will worship him in spirit and in truth. And number seven, and I'm done. He will show us his salvation. Verse 16, he says, I will show you. God today, restore to me the joy of thy salvation, Restore unto me the value of you having saved me and redeemed me from this world. Mark, I'm calling you out. God told me, Mark, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you to rise above the status quo on for His church. I'm calling you to not live anymore in mediocrity. I don't want you to just get by. I want you to excel. I want you to rise above the circumstances of this world. Be exempt. Don't just be that barely getting by church. Be the church that people go, hey, I ain't been in church in 10 years, but I'm going to give this a shot. And then they come in there and they put down their addictions and they put down their filthy language and they put down their brokenness and they put down their unforgiveness. Not because of me or because of them or even you, but because you've allowed God to restore unto you the joy of His salvation. And it's on your face. It's on your life. And not a Facebook post in the world can do what you can do if you go out and you live the peace and the love and the joy and the mercy of God. You can change the world. And it starts in your own home, in your workplace, and in our community. I believe with all my heart when we get up on that mountain something big's going to happen but it won't be because of that building it might just be because somebody in this room is going to get excited and they're going to realize that their excitement can be lived out through a life of faith and hope and love the greatest of these is love and God is going to use that to rip open the division in this community even between churches and between families and between race I, I, I sat in a prayer breakfast yesterday with about 13 black men and one other white man and we stood up and we got to share and we got to talk I'm going to tell you something God's saying I want to move on all that out of the way and I want you to come to me a spirit and the truth Psalm 51 and 12 Rejoice unto me Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and here it is and I'm done Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit Do you feel free today? Do you? Or are you in bondage? Is the war still raging in your life? You merely have not known that God has already defeated death, hell, and the grave. You don't realize that God has already taken your sin away, that it's not your sin that's going to keep you from God. It's merely your unwillingness to accept the finished work of the cross and walking in that freedom. It's a freedom that doesn't allow for cockiness. It's a freedom that doesn't allow for pride. It's a freedom that I realized had I gotten what I deserved, I'd be dead already. I'd be separated for eternity. But God commended his love to me that while I was yet in the act of sinning, he died for me. He redeemed me. He opened a door for me that no man can close. He put me in his hand and no man can put me out. I couldn't even get away from him if I wanted to. Nothing can separate you or me from the love of a holy God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads all over the the room with me do you know that kind of peace today do you know that kind of freedom do you know that kind of hope do you know that kind of redemption if you don't know today by all means today make it personal just simply pray a prayer of faith by measure of his grace he wants to honor you today he wants to pull you out of that horrible pit of despair and of brokenness and wish i could have or i should have done this today is the day of salvation would you pray right now from your heart to god father in heaven i admit to you that i'm a sinner that I have failed you. Today, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me, to save me, to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, help me to live for you to the day you call me home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed in faith today, by the measure of His grace, God wants to honor you today. And I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to come to you, but I'd sure like to know it so I can lift you up in prayer. If you prayed and you invited Jesus into your heart today, I wonder, would you very quickly, without any personal debate, lift your hand right now. Just lift it high. God bless you, sir. And God bless you in the back, sir. Anyone else? God bless you. I see your hands, sir. Three or four people lifted their hands. Listen, God knows your heart. Maybe others of you said, hey, you know what? I'm saved. But doggone it, it's time that I start living in that measure of grace and that measure of spirit and and that ability to change the world. How many of you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, be honest with God today like never before. Say, Mark, I want that kind of freedom. I want to be in that dwelling place. Lift your hand all over the room and say, yeah, that's me, Mark. I want that kind of dwelling spirit to be with God and He with me. down to three. I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you prayed and invited Jesus into your heart, come down here and let us pray with you. If you want newness in your marriage, come down here and let's pray together. If you want newness in your life, let's pray together. Hey, maybe just grab your child's hand, your teenager, your wife or husband and say, hey, let's just go down there and just start chasing after God's heart. Whatever it may be, today is your day. On the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. The doors of our church stand open if you want to make Northridge your home. One, two, three. Everyone stand to your feet. Everybody in the house. There's work to do. There's freedom to grab on Redemption, forgiveness is here. Mark, why do I have to walk the aisle? You don't. Well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you let someone else see your step, your profession of faith? Because at the height of Passover, for all men to see, Jesus walked down that holy street and he hung totally naked with the sin of the world cast upon his life. And he hung there for all to see. He is not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed of him today. Y'all come. I'm going to stand here. If God spoke to you, just come shake my hand. Whatever God's position.